something and I was I don't know I was so amused from that play I pray with uh, a member of a band and I was so I don't know feel some energy uh, Jesus can send me a message you know that he's not just a dead dead and I I can pray on, on Buddhist I can pray to someone but I don't but I don't uh, have a message from him but Jesus can give me a message Thinking about all the guys that tell about Jesus when just they walk around here, they are just boring, but when people talk, sing about it, it's just so amazing to hear about it. Jesus has Jesus always been close to my heart, but Jesus is going to be in my heart. We're from necrophilia, uh, 
and we like so much the performance. It was a great performance. The message uh, about Jesus, uh, it was really great. And uh, it really uh, touched us. My past is drugs and being homeless and living in a car. And, and look where I am, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. So I feel like, how could I not give my life to Jesus? How could I not say, you rescued me, here I am? Just like he said, like, here am I. That part was huge for me in the show. Like, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be who you created me to be instead of this person that is so alone and scared and looking for love in all the wrong places. Good morning. Um, it was a year ago, we were standing, or close to a year ago, we were here about to go on the tour that we just showed there, and um, it's, it was an amazing tour. We, as you can see, there's a lot of people out there that have such a negative idea about who Jesus is and what it means to follow him, and especially in Europe where they have this real, um, you know, they see Christianity as this dead, empty tradition of the past, and they're so close to it, but we saw people that, were, that encountered the real Jesus, and they found him, and it was really an exciting time, and I just wanted to share that with you, and thank you for, you know, being with us and, and standing behind that and that. And uh, so what I want to do before we start is just introduce the NLM team that's here um, today. And um, so I'll just have you stand up one at a time. So we have Yussi uh, here from Finland. He's going to be doing VJ and the, no, it's, yeah, VJ in the Satan role. So that, <laughs> Mitchell. From New Zealand, he's keyboards, an actor. Steve from Seattle, Washington, the guitarist. Sarah from Germany, violinist. Some guy we found on the street, David. Joe, bass player from Minneapolis. My brother Ben, guitarist, vocalist. And his new wife, Courtney vocalist and dancer. Our new drummer, Adam. There you are. My beautiful wife, Jennifer. And Anya from Poland. And then we're missing two team members. One, Tim's from Germany. He's doing lighting and he gets here tomorrow. We call him Buddy Pants. And, and then our other guy is uh, called David Powells and he's a uh, an uh, Englishman, and he's going to be our sound engineer, and we'll meet him in Europe when we go. Um, what I'd like to do is just invite a couple of our team members to come up and share their testimony. I don't know if you remember, but last year we talked about the fact that we needed to drive our equipment, our big um, robotic coffin from Germany to Lebanon, and that meant going through Syria. And obviously, as you can imagine, there weren't a lot of volunteers except for a, a father and son from New Zealand. And we happen to have the son here today, and that's Mitchell, who's now on our team. So I'd like just Mitchell to come up and share a little bit. Hello. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, thanks for that introduction, Aaron. Yeah, I was, I was the other half of the um, van driving crew last year, me and my dad. And... Um, yeah, I'll just give you a quick background on myself. Uh, I was, I've been brought up in a Christian house my whole life. My dad's a pastor back home. But um, I, I was always left to make my own decisions. And I guess I didn't always make the best decisions. And although I've always believed in God and the Bible, I've, I've definitely never really had a personal relationship with God up until about a year ago. Um, Pretty much what happened was I, was I thought I had it all. I had a good job and I had a great family and friends and a pretty fun life. But um, I just totally hit a wall one day and I, I realized that there was this huge void inside me where God was supposed to be and, where, and at the center of me and he wasn't there. And I hadn't tried to find him or anything like that. So, so I started praying and really seeking after him and, and reading the Bible and books and just trying to figure out where I should go from there and try and sort of pick myself up and keep going. And, um, yeah, so I prayed a lot about an opportunity to do something for God and be involved in a ministry in which I could um, grow and learn but also serve God. And I um, got an email from somebody. I was actually from my dad asking me if I wanted to fly to Germany and drive a van um, to Lebanon. 
with a band that does crazy shows that I'd never heard of called No Longer Music. And I was like, uh, okay, that sounds pretty fun. So I, um, so I, so I went and um, left two days later. And it was crazy because I kind of had a lot of stuff sorted out because I was planning on going to Mexico for a while anyway, um, the day after tour finished. So it kind of worked out pretty well. And um, so on the Thursday night, I was packing ready to go. And I was pretty freaked out because I was like, man, who's going to be the other driver? I hope he's not some maniac who's going to get us killed in like Syria or something. And then my dad rang me on Friday and said he was going to come with me. So that was pretty good. Kind of uh, made it a bit, you know, a bit easier. Um, so yeah, so, and pretty much what happened was I had probably the most amazing experience of my life, um, being involved in No Longer Music and seeing all the stuff that you've just seen on the video and, and talking to people after concerts and really um, seeing the need for the stuff that we're doing now um, out there. And um, yeah, so, so from now I've, I've got an upgrade in the band and gone from band driver to a keyboardist, which is quite nice. And um, and yeah, going out again this year, which I'm super excited about. We, I, I was part of the Radical Mission School this year, which was awesome, um, in Krogus over in Germany. Um, I just wanted to share a couple of things I've learned in the last last year, and just um, kind of just three things that I kind of figured that I need to develop and 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 are integral parts of um, of a real life of Christ. Um, the first is a listening ear. Um, to actually listen to God's call, to feel and know his direction, and to hear the knock of others. Um, next is a seeing eye, um, to understand the needs of others, to realize the importance of not ignoring other people and, and their struggles, and to protect the seeing eye from what is not good, and to see where God is and go to him. And finally, um, the big thing for me at the moment is, is figuring out a voice to speak, and not waiting till I've got it all sorted out, because I, I don't, and I probably never will. And I'm um, not waiting to be liked or to be respected or to be entertained, just to go out there and be proactive and speak truth, because, and trust that being humble and, and honest carries true integrity and truth. And when, when you speak um, you know, of Christ and Christ's love, there's so much truth in that, that it doesn't matter who you are or, or I don't know, where you are, it's, it's that... You're doing it, and God will work for you. Cool. Thank you. So I like to call it UC up now. UC, I met UC two years ago, roughly, was it? In one, one year ago, okay, one year ago. In Finland, uh, my dad and I went there before our tour to kind of do some preparation and speaking and we're speaking at a church, and um, I'm sure you'll explain, and UC gave his life to the Lord there. So why don't you come on up and uh, share? Yeah, hello. My name is Jussi. I'm from Finland. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so um, I, I, I grew up in a, in a non, non-believing home. Um, I, I actually pretty much grew up to be a, be an atheist or agnostic or whatever. I, uh, but a year ago, it was it was all all changed. Um, uh, I was in a fairly bad place in my life, uh, having having made a series of bad decisions for for a number of years. And uh, um, a friend of mine, um, whom I just just uh, slightly before like gotten into contact again, he'd he'd he'd. Uh, He'd given his life to Jesus, which was uh, like amazing for me, and he he convinced me to um, to go to this small church to to listen to this um, uh, American evangelist musician, and um, yeah. At, at at first at first I was kind of doubtful. Um, uh, I didn't I didn't I didn't really feel like going. You know, I thought that I might insult the Christians for for going there as a non-believer. Uh, don't know where those thoughts came from, but. Uh, then, uh, then I had this, had this other other voice in my head saying that, well, you know, you can, you can, you can just continue with your, with your existence in the in the darkness, you know, go home and cry. And that was pretty much my other option, at the moment. Um, I decided to go to this church, and and yeah, I guess I guess I I guess I heard uh, heard the message message of of Jesus for the first time in my life. Uh, what um what Aaron said. 
about about the European mentality. I can I can totally uh, understand it. Um, I thought that Christianity was a dead religion. That Jesus was a, was a carpenter who lived two thousand years ago, and and uh, I didn't really think think further. But uh, but I heard this amazingly passionate sermon about about a God who who's created each and every one of us uh, like to be unique, unique and wonderful creations, and that uh, and that there is this. God, God the Son, who, uh, who, 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 came to, who came to this world in order for me um, to, to be saved from this, this death sentence, this darkness, this uh, lack of a centerpiece, this, um, this horrible void, uh, this like constant running away from, 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 a, from a fear of fear of drowning or a fear of being forgotten, and that uh, I could just by a simple decision of, of of asking him to to save me, he would do that. And like I, I pretty much, uh, yeah, I had I had two options at that that point, and and uh, yeah, I guess I guess I chose the right one. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the the biggest thing that I, I'd say that uh, that knowing Christ or that what what Jesus has done to me and what, what he's doing to me all the time is that is that he showed me that because I, I always thought of myself as a seeker like whatever I did and wherever I went I was uh, I was like on the run from myself and at the same time I was running towards you know whatever shards of, of truth that I could find. I was trying to find a, a perfect person, a perfect relationship, uh, uh, unfailing love, uh, uh, some, some bit of truth from, from, from trying to excel in, in doing, you know, um, playing music or, 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 or what, whatever. And, and nothing, nothing ever satisfied my desire. But when, when I heard about Jesus and, and I came to know him personally, I realized that he's not only the, the way through the truth, but but he's also the truth, and, and he's also the life, and uh, and he's he's the centerpiece of all rea- reality. Of, of he's he's in the ce- in the center of me, and um, and and this this fear was just taken away from me. Um, it's it's hard to hard to put it into words, I guess. But um, I recently recently had a talk with a, a conversation with a non-believing friend. And he was smiling in a in a bit bit nervous way, talking about his recent um, involvement with uh, with another person. He'd started a new relationship. He'd landed a pretty decent job. And he was nervously laughing and talking about how uh, how he's got some. Um, now he's he's gotten away from the fear for a while, and that kind of perfectly uh, nailed it, at least in my opinion. That was exactly the place where I was in before I knew Jesus. Uh, it's constant horror, I guess, fear of dying or something. And, and that is pretty much the state of, 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 of most of the people in the world. Yeah. And uh, yeah, for me, I'm, I'm, the <laughs> I'm a living, living example why, why the stuff that, that we're doing with, with No Longer Music and with Tiger is is so important. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's pretty much it. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Um, so if you were here last year, you might remember Luke. He had the British accent, but he's from Brazil. It's confusing. Um, Anyway, he is not here this year, and that's a good thing, because he and his wife, Anya, who's from Poland, are in Brazil, leading No Longer Music Brazil. And it's kind of a historic uh, time in our history, because for the first time, like um, Dale alluded to, we're going to have two No Longer Music teams out doing No Longer Music-type ministry in different parts of the world at the same time. 
So it's really exciting. And Luke has taken a big step. He's gathered together a group of Brazilians, and they're working on their show, and they're planning a tour in November. So you can pray for Luke. He's doing extremely well, doing a lot of exciting things. He's gathering musicians and artists from Sao Paulo on a monthly basis to challenge them to be bold with their, with their um, gifts to, for the gospel. And so, yeah, keep him in your prayers. He's doing really well. And it's really exciting because we're, for years, my dad has been doing this kind of ministry. If you've been part of this church for a little while, you know that. You know, he's been, he started this, he started um, No Longer Music in the early 80s in Amsterdam. And here we are, and we're still going. And, and um, we really started to see a time of multiplication. We started something called the Association of Evangelistic Artists. And they, basically the purpose of that is to challenge and equip Christian musicians and artists to use their God-given platform and talent as a tool to boldly share the gospel outside of the church, to go outside of the church walls and, and to use it and to boldly do that. And so we, we're doing um, seminars and we have a missionary training school and we're having pastoral care and accountability for these people and we're really seeing it happen. And actually about three-quarters of the band you saw earlier are part of a local team and a local band called Cosmonaut, and their purpose is to go into the clubs in the Twin Cities and to, um, to share the gospel like no other music does, but to do it here. And so our vision is to see a uh, hundred of these um, evangelistic artists out there boldly preaching the gospel like no longer music. And, and like Dale said, our vision in five years is to have six regional no longer music. So we have, right, the team here today is no longer music Europe. And then we want to have, we have one in Brazil. We want to send one to Lebanon, to the Kurdish part of the Middle East, northern Iraq and southern Turkey, to Asia, Japan. Um, so we have a lot of vision. A lot of things are happening, and it's really exciting. In March, God gave us a big property in eastern Germany on the border of Poland and Czech Republic that is going to be our training center. And so God is really doing a lot of exciting things, and I just want to encourage you as a church and community that has been behind my parents and my family in the ministry for years to just thank you for, for that and, and seeing God's faithfulness now. Um, what I wanted to do, though, I convinced my dad to share today. Um, and I, I wanted him to just share a little bit um, about some of the things that he teaches and they teach um, our artists as well as our missionaries and just to kind of the things that, that we're being challenged on, and hopefully he can challenge you in that area as well. So I'd like to invite my dad, David. Well, um, I turned 56 this year. I mean, I'm not saying that for you to clap. Because I thought that, you know, at this stage in my life, I would start to be, um, that God wouldn't push me so much. You know, it's like, okay, I'm 56. I've been uh, out there doing this ministry for 30 years, and, you know, now maybe it's time for me to, you know, not just, you know, maybe I could do things a little more reasonable. But my experience has been actually the opposite. It seems like when I get into a place of where I feel comfortable, you know, it's like, okay, I can handle this, God. You know, it's, it, it was a step of faith. It took everything out of me. I can handle this now, you know, it's like, I, uh, this is something I can do. Then, you know, I'm allowed to live in that for a short time, but then God says, okay, David, now I've got another step for you. And it's like on this tour that, uh, that my son Aaron was just talking about, I found myself in, an, in another situation I didn't anticipate. I was in a club in Beirut called Sex God with a Muslim bodyguard, playing with death metal bands from the Middle East. This was not something I anticipated. And uh, the reason that they gave me a Muslim bodyguard is that there was a whole busload of people from the Hezbollah part of the city. And so they thought it would be a good idea for me to have a Muslim bodyguard. And so it was an ins crazy environment. And here I am, you know, on stage, and we're doing this stuff, and, and uh, afterwards I'm preaching in this club. And I have this guy who's my translator when I've been in Lebanon, 
you know, uh, translating things into Arabic. Now, this guy is not very balanced because the last time that we were there, someone went up to him and said, if you don't shut up, I'm going to break your jaw. And so I asked him, what is he saying to you? And he said, keep preaching. (laughs) So this is the lunatic I have translating for me. And so I'm preaching in this club. You know, and afterwards, you could, if you want to see this, you can go on our website. You can actually see what I'm just talking to you about right now. People from these, from these, uh, like these death metal bands are from the Middle East are joining hands with us and saying and praying and asking Jesus into their life, while people behind the bar and up in the balconies are clapping and cheering. And then we have this follow-up meeting. And then, as you could see in the video, a band called Necrophilia came, which is not a Christian band. And so they're there. And again, we're explaining, what, is it, what does it mean you know, to, to follow Jesus? What is the, what is the cost? And then, and then we said, if you want to know Jesus, you have to kneel. All right? And you, if you don't know this scene, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you might not even get how outrageous this is, but you have to kneel. And the entire band knelt and said, we want to give our life to Jesus. And now they've changed their name to something like Voice of Heaven, which is quite a transformation. When we were there, I talked to a, a guy whose his, his name is Ali. He's a Muslim. And uh, he thought Jesus was a joke. But he liked going to these Christian meetings because he liked the people. But he, as far as he was concerned, Jesus was just a joke. And so one day he was at the meeting and he said, all of a sudden, Jesus pushed him to the ground. And he said he was like pinned to the ground. And he felt like Jesus said to him, you think I'm a joke? Try and get up. And he's like pinned to the ground. He couldn't move. And he's going, you think I'm a joke? Try and get up. Finally, Jesus let him get up. And now he knows, he told me, now he knows that Jesus is somebody worth dying for. I talked to a guy, you know, from one of these death metal bands that, that they were on their way to giving their life to Jesus. And he said, you know, my father, he's a Christian. And in 2006, he was captured during the war that, that was going on there in 2006. So he was, he was captured and he was put in a prison. And they said to him, when you wake up in the morning, we are going to execute you. And so he's crying out to Jesus in this prison cell. And he said, as he was crying out to Jesus, an angel came into the cell and told him to put his hand on the wall. So he put his hand on the wall. And when he put his hand on the wall, his hand went right through the wall. And so then he got up, walked through the wall, was invisible to the guards, and escaped. That was in two 2006, the same Jesus that I read about in the book of Acts is alive and well today. But you know, Jesus is so powerful, but it also can be really, really difficult. You mean on this tour that we were in, when we were in Finland, in Helsinki, you know, we were playing, you could see a bit of it there, we were playing at the Night of Art. Thousands of drunken alternative young people in this park. There was so much drunkenness that there were literally like urine streams going down the street. And it wasn't just in one part of the city, it was all over Helsinki. And it was like, and I can remember um, 
When we were in, in Lebanon, it has been so hard. We've been blacklisted. We've had riots break out. We've had head-on collisions in cars. We've had people threaten us with guns. We've had unbelievable difficulty in, our, in what God has asked us to do there. And when we were staying, like the sewer system broke and all the sewage was running through the, the, uh, where we were sleeping in the, on the floors. Uh, you know, and then when we had this head-on collision, um, and we were, no one was hurt, but I was shook up about it. I got out of the car, and all of a sudden I had this really bad stomach, stomach ache, you know, really bad, like, sick stomach. And I thought to myself, God, can it be one thing at a time? You see, but I think this is the thing. If I dare to proclaim Jesus outside of the church, if I dare to lift up the cross, I am going to confront spiritual powers. You know, God doesn't care if I'm living in my little Christian ghetto and I'm, and I'm just, you know, minding my own business. He's okay with that. But the minute I'm willing to have a little piece of the broken heart of God, and I'm willing to step outside of that, and to actually go to people like Yusi was describing, who are who are terrified because all they ever hear is lies, because they've never heard the truth. And if we dare to go to them and tell them the truth, we enter a battle. And there are not many people today who choose faith that puts them in a battle. I don't think that there are many followers of Jesus who are willing to enter a battle. And I think the reason for that is because how can I enter a battle like this? You know, how can I, how can I go to Beirut in a situation where I'm not really sure what's going to happen? And I'm on the stage, and I've got my beautiful team with me. And then I look to my left. And I see my son, Aaron. And I look to my right. And I see my son, Ben. And I look behind me and I see Aaron's wife, Jennifer. How can I have faith? How can I believe God then? Well, I need to understand who Jesus is. You see, in Matthew 16, 5, it says this. When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, Is it because we didn't bring any bread? Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, You have little faith. Why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread. Do you still not understand? Do you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? What Jesus is saying is he's saying, I know you need to eat. You know, I know you need to take care of your family. You know, I want to be a responsible, you know, responsible guy. I want to look after my family. I want to take care of them. I want them to be looked after. And God knows that. He knows I need to pay my mortgage payments. He knows that, you know, that I, want, need to, I need money to look after my family. But what Jesus is saying is he's saying, but this isn't what your life is about. Your life is not about bread. Your life is not about just survival. 
You were created for something much more important than that. Jesus says this over and over and over again. But he says it in an extremely strong way in John 14, 12, where he says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Now again, I think this, what Jesus has said here has been misused. You know, I don't think this is what Jesus meant. You know, Lord, I would like to have a Mercedes. You know, and so you're praying. You, you put a picture of a Mercedes on the refrigerator. God, give me a Mercedes. I don't believe this is what Jesus meant. You know, in my life, I have, I have you know, like I, I've been, sometimes, you know, I think I'm doing okay, and then God shows me my heart. You know, and it's so... Sometimes I'm thinking, when will I ever do anything for God without my selfish ambition and my pride? You know, like sometimes I'm just like, God, help me. Help me to really do things for you and not, you know, have all my ego in there and my selfishness and my pride and all that stuff. So I don't think I've ever done anything with a 100% pure motive. But I think this, if at the core... If at the core of what I am doing, even with my struggles, if at the core of what I'm doing, I want Jesus to be glorified, I can ask him for anything, and he will do it. And let me give you an example of what I mean. In the early days of our ministry, me and this other guy got the idea that we should join the Yugoslavian army to tell people about Jesus. So we went down, we hitchhiked uh, down to Montenegro, you know, when Yugoslavia is one country. We go down there, we go up to the commandant, and we said, hello, we would like to join the Yugoslavian army. And he's going, what are you talking about? You're a foreigner. You can't join the Yugoslavian army. Get out of here. So me and Ed, that's the other guy, we went and started praying. God, Get us into the Yugoslavian army. Think of how we can talk to people about Jesus. Come on, God, do it. Get us into the Yugoslavian army. It was a little crazy, a, a little unreasonable. We go back to the commandant. Hi, we're back again. We would like to join the Yugoslavian army. Get out of here. So, so we go away again, and so Ed says we have to fast, so we're praying and fasting God, get us into the Yugoslavian army. Are you not strong enough to get us into the Yugoslavian army? We come back again. We keep doing this. All I can tell you is this. One day I woke up wearing a Yugoslavian army uniform. Driving a Yugoslavian army jeep. Raising the Yugoslavian army flag. Singing the Yugoslavian national anthem. Hey, Slovenii, now, all these men were like these really, really tough guys. They're the kind of guys that grow three beards a day. They're just like furs just growing out of them. And then they don't, they don't breathe any air that doesn't come through a cigarette. They do. They light. They roll their cigarettes. They're laying in their bunks. And as soon as their eyes open, they're smoking. So we're saying, God, how are we going to talk to these these?" Guys, about you. So we got the idea. We'll buy a bunch of cigarettes. So we bought a bunch of cigarettes. And then we got these long slips of paper. And we wrote in Croatian, John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him will not die but have everlasting life. We wrote that in Croatian on these slips of paper. And then we attached them to the cigarettes. And then we passed them out to everyone in the camp. Cigarette evangelism. <laughs> How can I enter the battle 
if I don't know who Jesus is? Who is Jesus? Colossians 1.15. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and in him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Who is Jesus? I mean, it's like if I go out and I look up, up at, the, at the universe, at the stars, and I see how, how immense it is. And as we, as we develop greater and greater telescopes, and we can see how un, unbelievably enormous the universe is, when I look at a microscope and I look at the, the amazing wonder of the unseen world, it says that Jesus himself holds all these things together with his power. Jesus is above every principality. He's above every, every political system. He's above every ruler, every authority. Yes, Satan is powerful. Satan is a powerful being. There is no way that I would want to try to face Satan with myself. But compared to Jesus, Satan is an insect. And what does Jesus say? He says this. If I'm walking with Jody, my wife, like we were just before, before this, this service this morning, we went to this little park over here, and we were praying. So I'm walking with her. And, I, and together we go, we say, Jesus, we want you to be with us. Jesus says, when two or more come together in my name, I am there in their midst. I mean, it's like this. It's like if I got a phone call from Bill Gates. My, my phone rings, and I pick up the phone, and he goes, hey, David, this is Bill. What do you want? Well, I'm a little behind on my rent this month. Maybe you could help me out with that, Bill. You know, I'm, I, I could use new tires for my car. If Bill Gates calls me up and asks me what I want, I'm going to tell him to tithe to me. When I begin to understand who Jesus is, I will start to become bold and impossible dreams will start to well up in my heart. The disciples said to Jesus, would you, would you give us an idea how you want us to approach you? You know, how, do you, how should we pray? What should be our attitude in prayer? And so then Jesus said, well, let me give you a story to illustrate how you should approach me when you pray to me. He said this, suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. 
because a friend of mine on a journey has, has come to see me and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So you have this guy, and uh, he has some friends come to see him at midnight. Now, in those days, midnight was a lot later because when it got dark, you went to sleep. So today, it would be like 3 in the morning or something. You know, you have some people coming to see you at 3 in the morning, and you don't have any bread for them. So you go to your next-door neighbor who's asleep, finally got their kids asleep, and you start knocking on the door. Give me bread! And then the neighbor in the house is going, do you know what time it is? You don't need bread now. You can get bread in the morning. I just got my kids to sleep. I'm in, I'm in bed myself. It's Go away. But this guy, he's, he doesn't care. He just keeps knocking. Give me bread. Give me bread. And Jesus said, finally, not because of their friendship, because they probably weren't friends after that, but because of his boldness. Because of his boldness, he got what he was asking for. Bold requests. Unreasonable faith honor God. And why? Why should I pray like this? Why, do it, why is it necessary, necessary for me to pray in such an outrageous way? Well, the reason it's necessary is because the needs are so great. I mean, I don't know about you, but every time I can hardly watch the news anymore. I can hardly, you know, I, I, it's, it's like I get over, I can get, the needs are so great. So many people. You don't have to go to Lebanon. You can stay right here in this, in this area. So many people are being destroyed. So many people are being slaughtered by all the lies. We need to have bold prayers. We need to ask God for unreasonable things. I knew this guy. He was a, like a, a very strong businessman, very, very confident, used to having people under him. And he was going to church, doing everything that he felt he should do, but he was frustrated because he was thinking, this isn't enough for me. So what he did is he went out into the forest. So he went out into the forest and he said to God, God, this isn't Mount Sinai, but it'll have to do. And I'm not getting on my knees either. And he said when he said that, he was pushed to the ground like this. And so he got back up again. And then he was pushed to the ground again. And he got back up again. And he told me that he was crawling around this tree like a dog. Because God's presence fell so strongly on him. And he said from that moment, my life was completely and totally transformed. Are you asking Jesus for anything outrageous? Are your prayers bold? Jesus told us how to pray. He said we need to be like a guy who goes to our friend's house at midnight demanding bread. If there was ever a time when those of us who are here this morning, who are followers of Jesus, to dare to ask God for big things, it's today, it's now. If there was ever a time when the world is desperate and needs his believers to be like this man pounding on his neighbor's door asking for bread, it's now. I want to, I want to close by showing you this video. And it's a video of a German 
evangelist called Reinhard Bunke. And it's a, it's a video of him preaching to a million people in Africa. Could we, could we show that? Jesus Christ is Lord! Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name that at the name of Jesus every name time for us to have Reinhard Bunky vision. You know, when I saw this, I thought, you know what God said to me? He said, I could do this in your life if you, if you would just be willing to pay the price If you've got us challenging you this morning, I'd like us to respond now. Don't feel like you have to do this, but I think it would be good for some of us to come up here and kneel and say, God, God, forgive me for just thinking about bread. I'm sorry. I don't want my life to be based on bread. I want to have your heart, your dreams. I want to have unreasonable faith like maybe I had when I first gave my life to you. Come and kneel with me. Come to the front.
I want to say I'm sorry that I, I have such small picture of you. I ask you to help me, Lord. I want to be like that. I want to not, I want to be like the guy who goes to his neighbor's house at midnight demanding bread. Lord, I can't rest on where I'm at right now. What you did yesterday. Lord, I pray you would change me, Lord. And that you would give me bigger faith, Lord. Unreasonable requests. And I pray for my brothers and sisters here this morning. And I pray that you would give them a fresh dose of unreasonable faith of outrageous, outrageous requests. Boldness, Lord. I ask that they would be bold in what they believe for. Not prayers to glorify our egos and our selfish ambition, but Lord, prayers that carry your broken heart and say, God, you gotta do something. You gotta do something. Lord, don't let me be complacent and just comfortable. Don't let me just waste the time you've given me on this. Lord, how many days you've given me, and you don't know how many days you've given all of us, Lord. Lord, we, you know, whatever part you want us to play, however, whatever way our, we're supposed to have that Reinhard Bunky kind of faith, I pray you'd give it to us. And Lord, that you'd give us practical steps, ways that we need to respond to what you're doing in our hearts this morning. Don't let this just be an emotional meeting, Lord, but let it be a, let it be like, okay, that was the, this time I made my choice, my decision. I'm not going to be that way anymore. Thank you for everyone, Lord, and you say there's a great harvest and there are a few workers. Oh, Lord, here we are. Look at us. We only have a little bit to give, Lord. We only have our five loaves and our two fish. It's not very much, but we give it to you. This morning, we say, take it, Lord, use it, multiply it, and have your, have your, have your will in all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Just before we leave, the band's going to play one song, and we're going to be sticking around just to talk and, and share with you guys. Um, before, if you're wanting to know how you can be involved, and we do need people to get involved, we're doing a, uh, a send-off show and fundraiser on the 23rd. It's in your bulletin, but there's flyers out there that you can pick up, and we'd like to see every one of you there, as well as invite people to come. It's, uh, it's not just for youth um, or unsaved people, it's also just for uh, normal church people, to, you've seen a lot of the stories, kind of gives you an opportunity to see it for yourself, as well as if there's anyone you know that might be interested in what we're doing personally or be involved in some other way, please invite them to come, as well as we're, we need people that we're, would um, stand behind us in finances. Um, we need team sponsors for every one of the NLM team members. Every one of the team members raise um, half their support, and we're looking for sponsors for the other half. So if you wanted to sponsor one of the team members for a day, a week, or the entire tour, you can do that. Or, or if you wanted to sponsor a particular concert, you can do that too. So there's these double-sided um, flyers out, out there that you can look at and a response card there as well. So if you have any questions, feel free to talk to any one of us. And um, Peter, are you going to close us in prayer? Yeah, we're going to um, take this time to, to worship God by giving back our bread. So if ushers come forward, and then we'll worship and be done for the day. Lord Jesus... Lord, it is our prayer that th this morning would not just be another service, Lord, but it would be a transformational time in our church history, Lord. That you would teach us how to pray with bold prayers, unreasonable prayers, Lord, and have unreasonable faith. Lord, we don't want to just be another church, 
in a church-filled state or city, Lord. We want to be a church that's boldly doing anything you call us to do, Lord. So God, make us into that people. Make us into people who are bold followers of Jesus. Lord, thank you for Steiger. Thank you for David and Aaron and Ben and the entire team, Lord, for their example. Lord, we just ask that your hand and your spirit would just take over this church, that we would um, be like a Steiger vegan, Lord, that we would just do all sorts of bold things, Lord, for you. God, now we give, we give over our tithes and offerings and money and bread, Lord. We give it back to you. And we love you, Lord. We give you the rest of the service. In Jesus' name we pray.